0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church sermon podcast. This episode is from our Guiding Truth series, which is based out of 1st Timothy. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God impacted you through these messages. Well, this morning, 1 Timothy chapter number one, we're going to get right back into our series. Uh, The series, of course, is guiding truths and uh, just learning some things uh, from Paul that he wrote to Timothy. But before we get into our message this morning, just want to ask you, have you ever just been uh, blown away by the creativity of people? You ever known somebody to be very creative, and I—I'm sure, like me, you've known someone who is just creative in something. Uh, I can think right now about how uh, astounded I am whenever I watch my wife paint. Yes. My wife's an amazing artist, and she'll begin painting on a canvas, and I come in, and I'm like, "What in the world is that?" <laughs> and she just looks at me. Don't don't worry, you'll understand i like, okay. A few minutes, you know, a couple, an hour later, I'll come in and I'll be like, how in the world? How did you do that? I would never have seen that picture on, on a canvas. I'm astounded by it. I'm amazed at sometimes the, uh, I'm amazed at the videos that Brother Robert makes for the church. The Micah video. No, seriously, I'm amazed. You know, you go back to our theme video, the consumed video, and I I know the script from it. We wrote the script, but watching him come up with the video and how he does it and the effects, it's just amazing. Uh, I I get excited uh, to see the creativity that Micah's gonna come up with when VBS rolls around. If you've ever been a part of our vacation Bible school in the summer, Micah writes all of the skits, and I'm always blown away. I'm always like, man, these people have creativity oozing from them, dripping. And you know, you've been around somebody like that, just creative. I came up with uh, this thought. You know, you ever been, we we have maybe adults like that, but have you ever been around a child or a teenager whose creativity really just amazed you? Many years ago, where'd Robert disappear to? Go, oh, he's, taking, he's doing photography downstairs. Uh, Robert, many years ago, he uh, was a teenager. <laughs> Did you believe that? But we were in Lancaster, California, and Robert was in the ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade when we lived there. And uh, Robert was just a teenager, that, and I was uh, part, helping out in one of the teenage boys' classes, and uh, Robert and some of his friends would come through our class, and there was one of his friends, though, in particular. It's one of Robert's closest friends. His name is Mark, and uh, Mark is, um, he's very, very hyperactive, and uh, that is a light, that is a mild way of putting it, um, but... When Hannah and I first moved to Lancaster, we had to live with Mark's family. Uh, many of you have met Dr. Rasmussen, who's been here before. We've lived with, we have lived with the Rasmussens for about two and a half weeks until we found a, a place to live and a job. And uh, so we were there. Of course, I was there to get my master's, but Ma- little Mark was there. And Mark was in seventh or eighth grade. And Mark was just a creative kid. But one day I walked into his room, and I remember walking into his room, and he, he if... If I impersonated him for you, it wouldn't even come close because Mark is always like, hey, what's going on? How you doing? What's going on? How's life? You know, it's like, whoa, chilled. He makes makes caffeine nervous. (laughs) That's Mark. And I walk to his room. He's like, hey, hey, you got to see this. I'm like, I got to see what? He's like, watch. And he lays down on his bed. He's like, stay right there, stay right there. And then he pulls a little string right by his head and his lights go off. I'm standing by the switch. Look back at him and he pulls another string and the lights go on. He's like, isn't that cool? I created it. I mean, you guys think, and many of you who know Dave McCracken, you think Dave McCracken is hyperactive. Dave McCracken would look mild next to Mark. But this was Mark and he had this whole thing and I, I was sitting there and I said, well, what did you do? And he began to explain. Now, here I am, I was in my 20s going for a master's degree in college. And here's this eighth grader explaining to me how he just came up with this way of strings all going through his room to turn his lights on and off. Just amazing to me. And you know what? When he's explaining it to me, I was like, if I came up with that, it would never work. It never work. You ever been around someone like that, that they're just creative and maybe they're explaining something to you and you have this thought, that'll never work. And then they do it and it works. As you and I come to 1 Timothy in chapter number one, we're coming to a place that many people would look at the scenario that I'm gonna give you today and they would say, that could never happen. That will never work. That is not possible. But what we're gonna see this morning is it really works. The title of the message is It Really Works. You say, what's the it? You'll find out. Let's stand together, all right? 1 Timothy chapter number one. <clears> 1 <throat> Timothy in chapter number one. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 12. First Timothy chapter number one and verse number 12. Paul writes this, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all accept- acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might be might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting now unto the king eternal immortal invisible the only wise god be glory be honor and glory forever and ever amen this charge i commit unto thee son timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. When you come, and we're going to kind of bring everybody up to speed after we pray, but when you come to our study this morning, What we're going to see Paul saying really works is this. The gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ, it really works. Give you the message in a brief synopsis. Paul's gonna help us understand. Hey, listen, my life was a wreck. I was headed towards hell. I was the worst sinner you could imagine, but look at what God's grace has done with me. It really works. I think we're gonna see it this morning and be challenged. It's a message I believe that'll be a help to each one of us. And so let's pray and then get into his word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for how it applies to us. And Lord, I pray that as we come to this message this morning, I pray that you'd help us to listen with open ears and open hearts. God, I pray that as we go through the preaching, that it would not simply just be a a time where we just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, that your word would have an impact in each of us personally. And Father, we wanna praise you for what you're going to do today. I just uh, surrender myself right now. Lord, would you use me and help me, help each of us as listeners to be surrendered to you. Now, before I finish my prayer, would you just take a moment in your own heart and would you ask God to speak to you today? Something simple, dear God, please speak to my heart today. Lord, again, we pray that you bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As you come to the book of 1 Timothy, of course, the book of 1 Timothy is written to Timothy as he's pastoring the church at Ephesus. Um, Paul would be the author of this, and we'll find out more things about Paul or Saul of Tarsus in a few moments, which many of us know. But Paul was one that he traveled around starting churches. He went to a town in Acts chapter number 19, and he started the church at Ephesus. And Paul was very instrumental in this church beginning. And he left there a young man by the name of Timothy. He Left Timothy, and he wants to now, a few years later, write back to Timothy as Timothy is pastoring in Ephesus. Ephesus, at this time, of course, it would sit on a trade route. And um, if you were to go to Acts 19, you would find all of the challenges that Paul faced while he was in Ephesus. But he's writing this letter or this book. To Timothy and to this church at Ephesus. And the goal of the book is to help them know how to be a church that follows God and lives for God and loves God, and how to be a Christian that follows God, loves God and lives God, how to do that in a corrupt culture. You say, well, why would, why would Paul wanna write this to them? Paul knew that Ephesus at this time was just a very, very wicked city. If you were to go and look up cities like Ephesus and Corinth and Thessalonica and Athens at the time of the Bible, you would find that they were just uh, um, completely entrenched in sinful practices. Being a large coastal town, this city of Ephesus, it would see travelers from all over the world. It's a very popular city, not only because of its location, but because of the many cultures that it would appeal to. Often travelers, they would come from all over and they would want to just move into Ephesus. So they would move in and they would bring with it their culture and their sin, and they would bring with it maybe the sins of their culture. But the biggest thing that uh, Ephesus was known for was the goddess Diana or Artemis. And what they were known for was actually the temple of Artemis. This would be one of the seven wonders of the world. The temple of Artemis was a temple that was associated with Diana. And Diana basically is a goddess of sensuality. And the reason this became so popular is because of the sensuality that Diana and this temple of Artemis represented. You see, this temple was known for all kinds of prostitutions and pleasures. And people would come from all over the world to see this place. Well, if you can imagine setting something like this up as really the foundation of your community, you can imagine how that would flood into all areas of the community. <clears throat> Ephesus was known for its sin because of this, but Ephesus was also known for its knowledge. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Ephesus being known for its knowledge, this is a library. It would have been built actually after the writing of 1 Timothy but it's, it's called the Library of Celsus. Celsus would have been a very, very, uh, would have been known as or seen as a very, very wise scholar during the time of Timothy. So this library is built. It was built in, I think, 92 AD by Rome. And this library was built as um, um, saying the impact that Celsus had on, on wisdom at the time, and Celsus would have been a contemporary or living at the same time as Timothy. So here you have this very sinful town that's filled with people like Celsus that are, um, um, they're are kind of depending upon their own knowledge. And because of that, it led for a very corrupt culture. It led for a people that said this, we don't need your God. That's what it led to. We don't need your God. We have goddess Diana. We have our pleasures. We have those things that bring us joy. We don't need your God. We have knowledge. We're learning more. We know more about the world than you. And so Timothy, Paul, we don't need what you have to offer. And so here you have this very proud area, this very affluent and sinful and proud place of Ephesus. Well, As you can imagine, it would be hard to be a Christian in that. Kind of reminds me of being a Christian nowadays. Now, I'll tell you right now that we don't have it hard, and I'm not going to claim that. But I do believe that we are living in a Christless culture. I believe that we're living in a corrupt culture. And I can see the correlation of the culture that Timothy was ministering to and the one that we are ministering to. And so being hard to be a Christian, Paul wants to write to Timothy some guiding truths. And so that's what we've called our series. Some of the guiding truths we've already seen is Paul writing, hey, avoid false doctrine and foolish distractions. Hey, Timothy, some things are gonna come along because, listen, the false doctrine is going to be those who have the knowledge, right? Gnosticism. They say, the more you know, the closer you can be to God. Paul says, Timothy, stand against that. The Judaizers, those that say, hey, listen, if you, you can have Jesus, but make sure you're obeying the law. Cause if you don't obey the law, then you're not very close to Jesus. And our religion is what draws us close to Jesus. And Paul says, hey, no, Don't have foolish distractions. Don't let people uh, draw you away with things that are not in the word of God. And so Paul says, avoid those false doctrine. Avoid the foolish distractions. And then last week, we were reminded by Paul that, that all of scripture and all of the gospel of Jesus, it all points to Jesus. That's what Paul talked about last week. We saw this, that he looked at the abuse of the law. He said, hey, there are people that they're trying to take the word of God and make it say things that it doesn't say. Don't abuse the word of God. Don't take it out of context and make it fit the context of your life. No, no, no. You take your life and you make it fit what this book says. Paul says, don't, don't, don't look at the abuse of the law. Instead, look at the aim of the law. The aim of the law is to point you to Jesus, to understand that uh, exactly what we heard uh, from, from my dad on, on Thursday, if you were here, that if you break one of the laws, you're just as, as wicked a sinner as Paul was. Why? Because sin is sin. Isaiah said it this way, that our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. And so Paul writes, hey, get the aim of the law. If the word of God is here to show you you need him. But then also understand the assignment of the law. Man, it's yours to defend. Hey, if you know Jesus as Savior, don't let someone teach you a false doctrine. Don't let someone uh, distract you with all this stuff. Don't let someone tell you the word of God says something that doesn't. No, no, no. You stand on Jesus, and you stand on his word, and that, as, as God told Joshua, that's where you'll find good success. I don't know about you, but if I'm Timothy, and if I'm the church at Ephesus, I'm reading this letter with gratitude. Man, because here I am living in a Christless culture. Here I am living in a place that's corrupt, filled with sin. Here I am trying to follow Jesus and fall in love with him, but being enamored by the world. And here I am wanting to learn and grow nor- and, and grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. But I have people telling me, no, 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 no. You need knowledge of Greek gods, and you need this, and you need that. Man, here's Paul writing to Timothy, and Timothy reading this letter, thinking, God, thank you. Thank you for the challenge from, from Timothy. From Paul, God, thank you for the challenge from Paul to help me have some guiding truths to stand on. As we come to our passage this morning, I think Paul wants to remind Timothy of this thought that Timothy, son, listen, God's grace can really work in your life, God's grace really works. You say, pastor, why would Timothy need to know this? I imagine Timothy is a lot like me and you. Timothy may be thinking, man, I've tried to help them. I've tried to to help them with their marriage, but they just won't get it. And I've tried to help them. I've tried to help him with that sin, but he just won't get it. Man, I've tried to reach them, but they just keep telling me they don't need Jesus. Maybe Timothy thinking, you know, I've tried to overcome some things in my own life. I just feel like I can't. I feel like as a Christian, I just fail. Let's be honest. You ever felt like that? Yeah. Yeah. Here I am, I made this decision, here we are. It's January 27th, and I remember January 1st, I said, I'm not gonna miss a day in my Bible in the new year. And here we are four weeks into the year, and I think I've read my Bible one day a week. Now, that's not what I'm saying, but that's what someone might be saying. And I'm not saying that in a, in a gloating way. I'm saying the word of God should be consistent in our life. But sometimes we look at where we I, I I told God I'd witness to my coworker and I haven't done it yet. I've told God I would do this and I haven't done it yet. I, I thought I could overcome this sin and I just can't get it. Can I tell you from Paul to Timothy, we're gonna get a great message today. Here's the message: God's grace really works. It really works. So I want you, if you would, to take your Bible and notice with me, I gotta skip through some, I I messed our verses up and I apologize. I want you to notice with me this, this thought that it really works. I want you to see, first of all, what I'm calling God's grace in action. God's grace in action. As you go to verse number 12, down through verse number 16, As we come to these verses, we read Paul giving praise and thanks to God for putting him into the ministry. Verse number 12, Paul said, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul just has this first thought. The thought is, hey, I want to thank God for putting me in the ministry. And you say, well, that's good. Paul should have some gratitude. But notice verse 13, why Paul has the gratitude. Verse number 13, Paul says this, who, speaking of himself, was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, or injurious. Paul says, hey, the reason I'm thankful is because I wanna remind you what I was. I want to remind you who I was. Hey, I'm thankful that God has called me and put me in the ministry. And Timothy, the reason I'm filled with so much gratitude is because I remember what I was. What Paul is doing, he's putting his life as exhibit A to prove that the grace of God really works. He says, hey, Paul, I want to, or, or Timothy, I want to give you grace. In action. One man said it this way when you read Paul's testimony, you begin to grasp the wonder of God's grace and his saving power. You say, Well, Pastor, what is Paul's testimony? Paul's testimony, you can go read it. We're not going to take it time for, uh, for time's sake to do this. Acts 9, 1 through 22, Acts 22, 1 through 21, or Acts 26, 9 through 18. And we find out what Paul used to be. Paul defines it in three words for us in our passage. The word blasphemer. Paul called himself a blasphemer because he denied the deity of Jesus Christ, and he forced others to deny it as well. Paul was one, listen, Paul was one that he stood up and said, no, listen, Jesus is not the Messiah. That's what Paul said, he is not the son of God. Jesus may have, he believed what the Pharisees believed. He was taught uh, by Gamaliel and he was taught by others that would say, no, Jesus might have been a good person. He performed some miraculous deeds, but he was not and is not the son of God. That's blasphemy. You know why? Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is literally God in the flesh. We can go, and I'm not going to preach that whole message. Go and get it from Thursday night. Uh, We're going through the series on on telling other people about Jesus, ready to give an answer. And we've been learning about that. And Thursday night, we learn about the deity of Jesus Christ and the fact that he is God in the flesh. He was not a man who became God. He was God who became man, 100% God and yet 100% man. That was Jesus Christ. Paul denied that. He was a blasphemer. He said, no, I'm against that. He called himself a persecutor. Paul, the persecutor. And what he say is a persecutor. He's a persecutor is one who would use a physical power to try to destroy a church or a people. Paul, he persecuted the church. He was against all of, the, all of the believers in that day. He was against anyone that stood for Jesus. He just stood up and said, no, I don't believe in Jesus. And if you do, you either A, recant your faith or B, I'm gonna arrest you or have you killed. That was Paul's life. The phrase injurious or injurious mean that he means that he was proud and insolent. Uh, he was, it would be the modern equivalent to a big time bully. It would convey the idea that he would throw around his weight as a Pharisee in violence. Paul was one who literally, the Bible says, wreaked havoc against the churches. Acts 9:1 defies him as this, defines him as this, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, goes on to say he wreaked havoc of the church. Paul was truly a wicked man. And he did it all in the name of religion. But notice what Paul says at the end of verse number 13. He says, This I did. but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Even though Saul of Tarsus was a very brilliant man and a very educated man, his mind was blinded from the truth. The truth that Jesus was the Messiah, the truth that Jesus was the very son of God. Saul was ignorant of that. Saul was blinded to that. And though he, listen, though Saul was religious, he was headed towards hell. But then... On the road to Damascus, Saul met Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number eight, in Acts, uh, yeah, in Acts number eight, it tells us of Paul's salvation moment, of when Paul came to know Jesus Christ as his own personal savior. You say, well, but how, how, how in the world how could a holy God forgive such a man? I mean here's Paul, he's a murderer. He literally stood when Stephen was stoned, Paul was the one holding everybody's coats. He went in the Bible, he his own words that he took men and women from churches and had them killed and had them arrested. How could God save a murderer like that, a liar like that, a cheat like that? Look at Paul. I mean, he's a wicked, wicked man. How could God do that? Paul says, well, it happened because I obtained mercy. You see, it's all through God's mercy and grace, his mercy and grace. Think about this. God in his mercy did not give Paul what he did deserve. Instead, he gave Paul what he did not deserve, mercy, forgiveness, forgiveness. You see, grace and mercy are God's love in action. It's God's, uh, excuse me, it's the fact of God's love that pays a price to save your life and my life. The Bible says that it's by grace that we're saved. For, you are, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible tells us that God, he, he saves us because he's rich in mercy. It says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. The word of God tells us that it's his rich grace that offers us forgiveness that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And Paul said, hey, listen, his grace worked exceeding abundantly in my life. I like the word exceeding abundant. The phrase because it uses a Greek prefix in those words. The Greek prefix is "hooper," h-u-p-e-r. We get our English word "hyper" from the word "hooper." So here's what Paul is saying: Hey, in my life, it took hyper grace to reach me. It took hyper mercy to reach me. Hey, God's love in my life it was a hyper love. Now I have an excuse to be the way I am. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, hey, listen. I was a wicked person, but when I came to know the Lord, hey, Timothy, when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, his love reached way down, and it picked me up. And God, because of his grace and his mercy, he forgave me. Man. Paul helping us see God's grace in action. <clears throat> Let me tell you this morning, and you can already probably feel where I'm going. But I want you to look at verse number 16 and notice what Paul says. Paul said this, how be it, for this cause I obtained mercy. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern, for a pattern to them which believe or which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Here's what Paul's saying in verse 16. He's saying, hey, listen, the reason I'm telling you this is because I want to show you that my life is an example of God's patience, God's longsuffering suffering. And Timothy, don't miss it. If Jesus can save me, Timothy, he can save anybody. That's what Paul's getting at. Getting at this thought, if Jesus could save Saul of Tarsus, the chief of sinners, the end shouldn't be on then. If he can save Paul, Saul of Tarsus, the chief of sinners, then he can save anybody. What an amazing thought, Jesus reached down and saved a murderous, lying, corrupted, religious man. And Paul's saying, if he can save me, he can save anyone. Can I tell you that you might be here and you might not know Christ as your savior and your excuse might be this. Pastor, you just don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. I remember standing on the doorstep of a man that got saved as a part of our church a number of years ago. And he was a military veteran, and I was giving him the gospel. And he said, Dennis, that sounds great, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know my life. And I said, sir, you're right. But God does, and God still offers you forgiveness. And you might be here today, and you might not know you're going to heaven. You might be religious. Religion's not gonna get you to heaven. You might have been baptized as a kid that's not gonna get you to heaven. You might, well, I go to church. That's not gonna get you to heaven. The only way a person knows for sure they're going to heaven is if they have a time when they've asked Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sin and to be their savior. A time when they, the Bible word is repent, change of mind. When I say, God, I'm heading this direction and I turn toward you. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your savior, if God can save Paul, he can save you. Paul labeled himself as the chiefest Of sinners, Hey, I was the worst of the worst, and yet God saved me. What is this a picture of? It's a picture of God's grace in action. But can I say this morning for those of you that, (coughs) excuse me, that know Jesus as your savior, while it's never good to live in the past, can I just remind you that it is good to remind yourself what God has saved you from? Whether you received Christ as your savior when you were a kid or when you were an adult, every single person, can say, I just couldn't believe that he would save me. <laughs> we were reminded out on Thursday of, uh, as I stated a second ago, that breaking one law condemns us to hell. And yet God in his mercy and his grace and his love, he offers forgiveness to you free of charge. What a thought. What a thought. You don't have to do anything for it. That goes, that, that's counterintuitive to our uh, human thinking. Because humanly, we think, well, I should be able to do something for it, right? That's why people say, that's too easy. I should be able to to make right what I've done wrong. And God says, no, you don't have to do anything. I offer it to you freely as a gift. And Paul reminding us, hey, remember what he saved you from. That is God's grace in action. Paul says, hey, Timothy, let me show you God's grace in action. It's my life. I don't you see secondly that Paul wants to point out that because of God's grace, mercy, love and forgiveness, Paul says this: "Hey, Timothy, God deserves the glory and admiration." "Hey, Timothy, because of what has happened in my life, God deserves all the glory and admiration. Timothy, I'm not telling you this so that you can say, hey, Paul, what a change you've made. No, no, no. Timothy, I'm telling you this because I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he hath enabled me, that he counted me faithful. Go to verse number 17. Notice what he says. Now unto the eternal God, the immortal, invisible, only wise God, to him be glory. To him be glory and honor, or be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, listen, all the thanks and praise and all the glory, it belongs to the Lord. Hey, I'm thankful, why? Because God, he looked down and he saw Saul of Tarsus and he said, I know you're a sinner, but I can use that. I know you hate me, but I still love you. I know you don't deserve it, but that's what grace is. I know you deserve judgment, but that's what mercy is. Hey, Saul of Tarsus, I know you don't know it yet, but I offer you complete forgiveness. And Paul would write, man, God, thank you. God, thank you. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve any good thing that you do in my life, but God, thank you. It's all from you. It's like Paul saying this, hey, I who was once an adversary, I am now an advocate for him. I who was a persecutor, I'm now the preacher. I, one that murdered the believers, am now a missionary teaching believers. I, who was once the enemy of the church, am now establishing churches. Hey, God literally changed me from the inside out and all glory goes unto him. Praise belongs to him. I thank him. I praise him. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point this morning because we're going to be seeing this more in depth tonight in our study in Hosea. But we need to remember today that any good thing that happens in our life, all praise goes to him. And Paul, he's just taking time to stop and praise God for saving him. Look at that verse 17 again. Unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Hey, he saved me and he's changed me. I praise him for it. The change in Paul's life was so amazing and so dramatic that did you know what the church at Jerusalem thought? They thought it was a fake. Go go read Acts chapter number uh, nine, the end of it. Paul goes to Jerusalem and he says, hey, Listen, I received Jesus. And the church says, no, you didn't. No, you didn't do that. You didn't receive him. You're trying to do that to get in here so that you can kill us. And a man named Barnabas came out and said, "Uh, well, Saul, tell me your your story. And Barnabas came along and discipled Paul and helped him understand uh, the truths of God's word and helped Paul grow along. But the, the early Christians, they didn't believe it. It was that miraculous of a change. And yet through the whole change, here's Paul's heart. All glory belongs to him. Hey, this is something that only God can do. Changing my life is a change that only God can make. Now, while I stated this a second ago, we don't wanna go and live in the past. I think it's healthy every now and then for a person to personally remember what God has done in their life. Can I just tell you this morning that it's only God, it's only God that could take an alcoholic and change their heart and save them from alcoholism. And some of you were that. Listen, it's only God that could take a drug addict and cleanse their life, pick them out of the gutter, and say, I've got plans for you. It's only God that can take a a liar, someone who lies to get their business dealing, someone who lies to advance, someone who lies to their spouse. It's only God that can take a liar, show them truth, and help them turn their life towards him. That's only a change God can do. It's only God that can make a cheater into an honest person. It's only God who can make a thief into someone who gives. It's only God who can make an adulterer the best spouse. It's only God who can take a foul-mouthed rebel and turn them into somebody that would get up and preach the word of God. It's only God, listen, it is only God that can take a religious person and fill them up with the relationship. And you, my friend, might be here this morning and you might, might be one of those people that you think, you know, I just, I picked myself up by my own bootstraps. Oh yeah, Jesus saved me, but boy, I sure have changed a lot of things in my life. No, I can tell you this morning that wherever you are, whether you were the alcoholic, whether you were the drug, whether you were... Uh, the drug addict whether you were the liar whether you were the cheat whether you were just a little religious boy or a little religious girl can I tell you this morning that the only good that's in your life is all because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ don't ever get filled with yourself and begin thinking boy God sure was pretty impressed when he got me boy I'm sure thankful that God got me because if he didn't then only only God knows what I would be doing and boy I'm sure this big wig no listen Paul said I was the chiefest of sinners I was wicked, and yet I am where I am, all because of Jesus. Oh, it's all him. Man, he deserves it all. All glory and all admiration, all praise, it belongs to him. You know what the devil likes to do, though? He likes to come to you, and he likes to say, hey, pretty impressive. Boy, Hannah, you sure can play that guitar up there. Boy, hey Mikey, you're such, you've been doing great as a teacher. Get ready to go start a church. Hey, Glenn, you boy haven't picked up that haven't picked up that drink in over 40 years, Glenn. Oh, hey. Boy, you sure got it down. Old devil likes to come on your shoulder and say that. You know what you need to do when he says that. It's all him. Amen. I don't deserve any credit. Man, I didn't make a change. I simply believed and God changed me from the inside out. Paul says, hey, it's God's grace in action and all glory and admiration, it belongs to him. He deserves it. God, all the glory belongs to you. Believer, when's the last time that really you really just stopped and praised God for working in your life or have you become blinded to your own, uh, by your own pride and forgotten all that God has done? And when's the last time that you thanked him for letting you serve? I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, that he has enabled me, counting me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Boy, I never would have thought that God would do that. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, I never would have thought that God would take somebody and let me tell people about Jesus. And maybe that's your story. Maybe you might say, I never thought that God would let me serve as a greeter at a church or as an usher. I never let God, I never thought that God would let me teach little boys and little girls about Jesus. I never thought that God would let me work in a nursery and, and, and make it possible for people to hear the word of God. I never thought, thought that god would do that and yet all glory and all praise it belongs completely to him this morning paul is using his life to show us grace and action and then he reminds us that god deserves the glory and admiration you know what all this is all this is paul saying hey the gospel of jesus it really works it's not just a farce. It's not just a lie. It's not something that people made up so that you could have a crutch. It's not something that's just for folks who maybe need, you know, something to depend upon. So Paul says, No, no, no. Listen, my friend, I was the worst sinner, and yet God saved me, and He changed me, and He's using me. It really works. But I want you to notice, if you will, as Paul transitions thoughts, that he once again reminds Paul and the church at Ephesus of this. Hey, church, this truth, this truth that the gospel really works, it must be guarded and advanced. Look at verse number 18. He says, this charge... I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, with some, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I deliver unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Very quickly, Paul is simply saying this, hey, listen, the reason I'm telling you all of this is so that you can defend Guard and advance this message. Timothy, you're in a war. Be a good soldier. Fight a good warfare. But Timothy, in order to do this, you've gotta defend this truth. Timothy, I know things can be tough there in Ephesus, but Timothy, keep preaching. It really works. Hey, Timothy, stay faithful, because it really works. Timothy, Ephesus, they need you to preach the truth because it really works. Paul warns Timothy, the only way to succeed is to hold fast to the faith and a good conscience. One man said it this way, it's not enough to proclaim the faith with our lips. We must practice the faith in our daily lives. And Paul is writing this to Timothy. Hey, don't just preach it. Timothy, live it. Because there have been some, they've wrecked their lives because they've gotten away from it. Notice verse 19 and 20. He says, which some having put away, they put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck. Of whom is Himenaeus and Alexander? If you go and do some research, you'll find that Himenaeus, 2 Timothy 2, he's one that he said that the resurrection had already passed. He was preaching a false doctrine. Alexander, 2 Timothy 2, 4, uh, 14 he withstood Paul to the face, preaching false doctrine. and in these verses, Paul brings it full circle, he saying, "Hey, hey, Timothy, God's grace really works, but you get away from this, and God's grace stops working in your life. The gospel stops really working like it should. Can I tell you this morning? that God, he is still in the life-changing business. God still wants to change lives. God still wants to give victory. God still wants to help and direct and give wisdom. But it comes through his word. It comes as you and I, Love him from the heart and seek him in our life. And here's what Timothy's telling, or what Paul's telling Timothy. Hey, Timothy, God's grace really, really works. I'm an example. Timothy, your job is to take this and get the message out. Let people know God's grace really works. Let people know that God really gives victory. Let the truth of Romans 8 resonate in your life that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You say, Pastor, okay, I get it. God's grace works. We need to preach it, we need to defend it. But what's that have to do with me today? I'm going to go back to my opening illustration the thought about creativity and it really works. I asked a thought, or I asked a question. The question was, if you've ever looked at your life and you thought, man, I failed. I failed. I told God, I made this commitment to God and I quit. I said, I'd do this and I didn't. I thought I could do this and I haven't. Can I just encourage you this morning that God's grace still works? His mercy is still real. His love is still real very full. His forgiveness is still completely offered. And if you're a person that's out here and your mind is this, oh, I see what God's done in Paul's life, but God could never do that in my life. I don't mean to be rude, but you're wrong. God can. God could change you. For some here, it might be God could never save me no, listen, God can save you. He offers you eternal life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your savior, I wanna challenge you today to make that decision to receive him as your savior. But if you do know Christ as your savior, what is it in your life that you're saying God cannot do? What sin is it that you're saying, I I can't get over this one? What step of faith is it that you're saying, I couldn't do that? Who is it that you're saying, I can't witness to them? What in your life are you restricting God on, saying, no, God can't do that? Maybe today you'd be reminded from the life of Paul. It works. God's grace is real. And when I say God's strength, we're talking about God's enabling, or when I say God's grace, I'm talking about God's enabling strength that God can literally work in your life. When you and I walk with him each and every day, supernaturally, God says, I will take that. And I will grow you. I will change you from the inside out. When you look at this, I believe Paul is writing, helping Timothy understand, hey, Timothy, it really works. It really works. Timothy, stay close to sound doctrine. Timothy, stay in the truth. Preach the truth. Why? Because it really works. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. And I just wanna tell you that the word of God, the gospel The message of Jesus, his grace and his power, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. It really works. The problem is sometimes we don't let God work in our life. We think we can handle things. Maybe today you would make the decision that I'm gonna let God transform me from the inside out. I'm gonna let God change me. Maybe you would be honest and you've been holding back. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you've been saying God couldn't help you with. Maybe you've been saying, no, I, I believe God can work in other people, but not me. He can work in their marriage, but not mine. God can work in their home, but not ours. Their workplace, but not mine. What, what excuse is it? Maybe today you just simply say, God, I'm, I'm done fighting that. And today, God, I wanna remember where you brought me from And be reminded that your grace still works. I'd like to ask a couple couple of questions this morning and then we'll pray and have our invitation. But if you're here and you'd be honest, you'd say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I've received Christ as my savior. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, I know I'm saved. I know I've trusted Christ as my savior. Just right up and right back down. If that's you and you know Jesus Christ as your savior, today would you make a decision of God? I'm gonna start believing again that your grace can work. I'm gonna get back in my relationship with you, understanding that you wanna work in my life. Maybe you're here though today and you would be honest. You'd say, pastor, I could not raise my hand because I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. But if that's you this morning, I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you by name. But if that's you, you say, pastor, would you pray for me? Because I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm just gonna pray for you. Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. If that's you this morning, you raised your hand, or maybe you did not raise your hand, but you don't know that, in a few moments, I invite you to come. We'll take the word of God, and someone will show you how you can know you're going to heaven. God, I pray right now that you bless our invitation. Help us to remember that your grace really works. Father, I pray that you'd just help each of us every day to understand that your enabling strength is there. Father, what we need to do is simply build that relationship with you, get in the word of God and allowing you to speak to us, enabling uh, you as, and your spirit to freely work in our lives. And God, I pray that if there's someone that's here that they don't know they're going to heaven, I pray that you'd help them today to come to know you as their savior. Bless our invitation. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.